Hey there, and welcome to 1001 LA Nights. I'm LA Rivers, and this is episode four. Episode four. And it just occurred to me, call me crazy, call me silly, that November's coming up. You know, the year 2018 has just passed us by, hasn't it? It's been an amazing year for me. Uh, I started a road trip in February that was just following my intuition, following my guidance, letting the wind blow me where it was best for me to go. And uh, if you're an Abraham Hicks fan, um, my the only destination I started with in February was making it to San Rafael in uh, California, Northern California, near San Francisco, and making it to an Abe Hicks seminar. I thought that was a great way to set Uh, the intention to explore and have a vibrant trip and it it opened and unleashed just this magical experience and um, so I ended up in Hollywood for about 11 days after that and it was just perfect uh rented uh, an extended stay apartment which by the way if you're ever doing a road trip into a city sometimes that's a better deal than than staying in motels or hotels and it gave me kind of an idea of how I wanted to live in my new life uh, the stories here in 1001 LA Nights are really based off my own experiences, my own life. And, um, you know, just winding my way around the countryside on the West Coast, um, trying to settle my daughter in LA from rural Northwest Washington, not wanting her to be there alone. Um, her having her own experiences, and I'm not really writing her story. Um, anywhere our stories coincide, there'll be some some you know overlay because it impacted me. But these are really my stories, and some of them are fictional because they're story ideas that came to me or were inspired when I was on my road trips. Or most of them are actually, you know, just like this introduction, I've got some great adventures. I've had some amazing experiences. One of those was finding myself in Sedona, Arizona. I came for two days, uh, ended up staying for 10, fell in love, um, left, went back to California for a couple of weeks came back to Sedona to see if it's really where I wanted to be. And that story will be included in 1001 LA Nights. And um, basically kind of put it out there to the universe and said, hey, you want me here, make it happen. And within 15 minutes of just making that declaration, uh, I found the perfect housing in the perfect place at the perfect price with the perfect landlord and everything just worked out beautifully. And I've been here since May. So the year has gone by fast. I'm going to wrap it back around to NaNoWriMo. That's right. Uh, November is the National Novel Writing Month. And a lot of you who are friends or family have been urging me to write the story of my escape from the Middle East. I had seven days from um, start to finish to get out and and managed to, obviously. Um, and it was a pretty spectacular story. It was um, an act of faith. 
it was um, miraculous in a lot of ways, and it it's very much tied to a thousand one L.A. Nights. They're intertwined, and I've really been realizing that as I've been writing the introduction to the the book of or anthology of of real life adventure and i really believe that the seven day adventure belongs in that compilation not just on its own because life is intertwined and and as much as i could say i've lived probably 20 books worth of adventure in my life um i'd really like to uh, put this where it belongs because the last two years from 2016 to 2018 I was really picking up where I left off in 1998 after I left the Middle East with my kids and got back to the States I had $50 a five-year-old and a two-year-old hadn't lived in this country since I was 18 had to learn from scratch um, and and went through a lot of culture shock um, I had a lot of amazing support and experiences and then made some decisions that on one hand were the right decisions and on one hand they didn't serve me very well and I and so what you're getting in 1001 LA Nights is where I decided to take charge of my life and really own what I wanted and be the person I knew I was on the inside and so the seven day escape is going to be part of 1001 LA Nights as I recount the story to someone um, who doesn't know it and and let them know who I am through that story. So that will be part of 1001 LA Nights. Um, it may be several volumes, who knows? So without any uh, more chatter, I'm going to read an excerpt from the introduction where I finally get to LA. Uh, that's where we ended off after the last episode uh, in the last episode and I'm meeting with my daughter we haven't seen each other in months and uh, we're, we're settling in together and I'm noticing she's grown up mother-daughter reunion. Did you eat? I asked. She shook her head. No, I have a date at nine going out to dinner. My face fell. I was starving. She knew her mother and laughed. I can join you for a little something close by. I'm pretty worn out. Let's run to Tarbouche. I requested the Middle Eastern restaurant located on Wilshire that was about two blocks away. They had great food and good service. Sounds good. I put your bag over here. How was your drive? She asked. I was heading to the bathroom to freshen up before walking to dinner. Long, hot, dry, and kind of weird. I replied over my shoulder. Checking my reflection, I saw that I looked better than expected. I simply looked tired and not haggard and worn out like I used to even a week ago. I smiled at my reflection, washed my face, and searched the medicine cabinet for lotion. The sudden change of climate and UV exposure made for dry skin. I was okay pondering my wrinkles. It was okay to pander to vanity. I was repairing decades of letting myself go. If I had 22 years left, I was making the most of them. That included looking and feeling good. 
Daughter came in and gave me the once-over, then walked out, only to return quickly, hands full of makeup. She looked up at the light and appraised me again, then said, Let me do your makeup in the living room. You look worn out. Gee, thanks, I replied cheekily. Don't be so defensive. Look, Mom, I have an image here. This is L.A. You need to be on top of your game. Looking like a bag lady isn't an option. She sounded like one of those reality makeover people. I rolled my eyes in response and followed her out of the room. Mom, don't roll your eyes at me, she scolded. I rolled my eyes again. At 22, she was finding her footing in the world, ever so serious about doing things right. It was hard not to tease her when she mirrored me attempting to take the role of parent. She sighed and shook her head, muttering, as she set the makeup down on the side table next to the settee. I sat and grinned at her. She rolled her eyes. I said nothing about the double standard on who got to roll eyes. Then she grabbed my face in one hand and began dabbing makeup on my face with the other. I did my best to hold still and let her work her magic. I was perfectly capable of doing my own makeup, especially considering I'd been a makeup artist for haute couture fashion shows in the Middle East for a brief time in the 90s. My daughter, however, is an artist and able to draw out and highlight my features in a way I never thought to do. Besides, it gave us time together and she felt good making me look good. It was funny to listen to her tut over my skin and firmly directing when I was to look up, open my mouth, blink, or stop blinking. She never took overly long, and most of the time I was pleased with the results. When she was satisfied, I got up and looked in the mirror mounted on the wall by the door. I smiled. She merely evened out the color, easing away the sun-kissed rosy glow off of my nose and cheeks and freshened under my eyes. My face simply looked natural and fresh. I fluffed my hair and turned to grab my purse from the chair in the corner. Ready? I asked. I'm starving. Yep, she replied absently as she checked her phone. I've got a few hours. I'll have an appetizer. It's only seven now. Great. Glad I got here in time to catch up. I want to hear all about your adventures, I said cheerily. We linked arms and squeezed out the door together. The walk to Tarbouche was refreshing. My aching legs protested as we walked briskly down the dark side street. I slowed my pace and lengthened my stride to stretch out the kinks. My hips cracked and popped and I groaned as she tried to hurry me up. Honey, mom's getting old. I gotta take it slow. Mom, you're not old. You're out of shape she retorted brusquely. Same thing, I responded drolly. No, it's not. You need to get in shape, she lectured. I rolled my eyes and got away with it in the dark. Okay, fine. I'm out of shape. I drove 1,200 miles in three days. I need to take it slow. She matched my pace and continued her lecture on my physical health and well-being. I sighed and grunted noncommittally, smiling in the dark. She was happy to see me. The lectures were her way of wanting me to be my best self, and I knew it. I focused on stretching as I walked, feeling my legs and hips protest, and knew a few days of walking and yoga would put me to rights. 
We turned left onto Mariposa, and I found my eyes squinting at the brightness of the lights. Parking structures lined this portion of the road for half a city block, approaching Wilshire Boulevard. People ambled up and down the road, families heading home from nearby churches, and tired workers stumbling home with a bag of some kind of takeout clutched close. My daughter giving me a list of must-haves for me to make it in Los Angeles. Clothing, makeup, headshots, nails, shoes, collagen fillers were listed off. I just nodded and grunted. I wasn't going to debate the ideas presented. I was sore, hungry, and tired. And besides, I knew she was trying to be helpful with her newfound wealth of knowledge and budding connections. She didn't seem to notice I wasn't really paying attention. Besides focusing on walking on tired, sore legs, I was enjoying the vibrant night playing out before me. Lights became more colorful as we neared Wilshire. Restaurants with neon signs, shaped like their specialties, were interspersed with big, luminous billboards on glass towers, proclaiming one movie or another was this year's must-see film. Palm trees edging the road, illuminated by floodlights from below, standing out in sharp silhouette against the light-polluted sky. And yet, I could still spy Venus shining brightly, and it made me smile. I loved the creativity that pulsed in the air and the feeling of hope that seemed palpable in this town of dreamers. Daughter tugged on my sleeve to get my attention to cross the iconic boulevard, and I noticed she had matured since I'd seen her last spring. There was no baby fat left on her cheeks. She had a woman's face. She was more confident and comfortable in her skin. She was more articulate and carried herself with elegant stature. I marveled at her transformation and wished I had had it together like her at almost 23. She knew herself in a way I envied because I was just really starting to get it figured out. Once across the street, we turned to walk down the steps to the Middle Eastern restaurant. A group of men were sitting at tables outside smoking from large elaborate hookahs. The smell of smoke mixing in the warm night air combined with the perfume of grilled lamb coming from the restaurant made me nostalgic. It reminds me of Bahrain, I said aloud. Daughter nodded her head. I was just thinking that too, she said it sadly. We entered the restaurant and we greeted we were greeted enthusiastically by a waitress who remembered us coming in together in the spring. She asked how I was doing, and as she set us up at a corner booth, decorated in the Moroccan-style fabrics and arm pillow pillows. After a brief conversation, she left us with menus and water, and finally, I was able to catch up with my girl. You remember Bahrain so clearly still? I asked. A lot more than you would think, she replied. Especially living here, the temperature and all of the different Arabs spark memories, you know? Makes sense, I said. It's just you were so very young when we left. My voice trailed off as I remembered her as a five-year-old girl, wide-eyed and terrified at the thought of leaving her home to come to my country. It was so traumatic for her and her brother, but I had had no choice. If I hadn't brought them home, the trauma would have been tenfold. 
Always intuitive, she reached out a hand to mine and said, Mom, I know we had to leave. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. I smiled at her, trying not to miss up. I know. I opened the menu and then looked up. You look so grown up, she laughed. I should hope so, Mom. Sheesh, at my age, you were done with college and traveling and working all over the world. Yeah, married even. Thank God you're not. You do you, I said, spying my order on the menu. Want to split the chicken with me, or are you still wanting just an appetizer? Yeah, men are more trouble than they're worth, she agreed. I'll just have an order of the stuffed grape leaves and mint tea. We set the menus down to signal the waitress. She hurried over, and we placed the order. The owner was at the till, and he noticed us. He waved and came over, grinning. You're back, madam. I thanked him for remembering me. We exchanged pleasantries, and he excused himself. My daughter Giggle snorted after he was a safe distance away. What? I asked. Somebody's got a crush on you, she giggled. I must have blushed. I felt my face warm. Um, why? I asked. Oh, come on, Mom. He's always moon eyes on you. He doesn't do that with me when I come in, but he always asks about you. I sighed. What can I say? I'm a heartbreaker. Sarcasm tinging my voice. Deciding to change the subject, I asked, so tell me what you've been up to. She regaled me with the tales of the L.A. social scene, the people she had met, new friends, old friends, drama and intrigue. It was fascinating to hear what she had accomplished. She'd listened to me and used her family name to network into some pretty A-list crowds. You know, Mom, I get so annoyed that those country bumpkins never believed your stories. Jesus, even Kevin. Do you know how many times he told me that you were exaggerating or making things up? She, I grimaced at her words. Really? I drew the word out in a growl. I told you all to Google your family. I know, Mom, she said sadly. They're just so basic. I don't care how hard it is here. I just never want to go back. I smiled and nodded in agreement. I hear you on that. I've felt 10 years younger this trip, just knowing I'm not going back to Washington. She gave me a stare. Really? Yes, I'm not going back. I can't take it. Don't tell him I haven't yet. I'll deal with it when, I get, when I'm on my feet. He's going to be crushed, she said sadly. As contentious as her relationship with her stepfather was, I knew she loved him. Softly, I agreed. I know, honey, but I never should have married him in the first place. I was still healing and not thinking straight. It had only been a year since we got back to the States. Hell, I knew it was dumb then. I just couldn't get anyone to talk me out of it, you know, because God forbid you're a single mom. She nodded sadly. They were all assholes to you. I laughed. No, it was just stupid social programming, and I wasn't healthy enough to do what I knew was best for me. Anyway, who's your date tonight? Her eyes immediately sparkled. Believe it or not, it's James Darwin. Who? I shrugged, not recognizing the name. She laughed at me. Geez, Mom, only the hot actor from reception... I shook my head. Never got into the show. You know I don't watch TV. She nodded her head exaggeratedly. 
I know, I do know you don't. Anyway, he's a big deal, Mom. So are you, I said matter of fact. More eye-rolling. Okay, Mom. She drew out the last syllable to deflect my insistence of her value. Then nodded. Yeah, I've been finding that out, actually. I've been getting to know some of the Kaliji kids, and they're all telling me what a big deal I'd be back in the Gulf. You weren't lying. I come from a big deal family. Duh, was my reply. Ever since returning to the States, I made sure my kids knew of their birthright. They came from a very old established merchant family in the Persian Gulf, even if their uncle had swindled them out of millions of dollars, their family name was worth more than money. So that was my daughter and I catching up. The conversation mostly went like that. I've changed names um, for people. So like that, the big deal actor she dated and some of the other people, I'm not mentioning who they are. Um, I'm not bringing my kids' names into it. And I changed the name of my ex-husband. Mostly just, you know, um, I will use um, my first husband's first and last name and, and refer to those people by name. Um, mostly because it's, it's just different. The people who are living, um, and who are, who are closer or live in the States, um, I'm changing all those names just for their own privacy out of respect. Um, these, again, it's my story and it's how these people impacted me or the effect on me or what inspiration it caused me or what thoughts it provoked, what stories it provoked. Um, that's what's being mentioned here. And you'll notice, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about the recordings. They're raw. They're rough. I'm not, I'm not recording these like audiobooks. Um, when you subscribe to my Patreon as a patron and you get an audiobook, it's professionally recorded. There aren't the reading flubs or the stutters or what have you. They'll, they'll be done properly. Um, this is just a way to give you a sample of the work of the story and connect with me here. It's just a way for you to get a tease of what's going on. Anyway, um, I do want to invite you to become a patron starting at the $2 level. You get access to all of the short stories in PDF form. There's a community and collaborative element to a thousand one LA nights. Um, you guys, you know, can give me feedback. I'm going to give you video readings and talking about some of the backstory behind some of the stories, um, juicy bits that I may or may not put into the book. Um, you'll be able to ask me questions and participate as community members. And then at the highest level, you'll get, you know, professionally recorded audiobooks and a, a bound copy of the short stories every quarter. Uh, I've got a lot of stories. I've traveled all over the world. I left the country at 18. I've had a lot of adventures. I mean, in fact, even before I left for good at 18, thinking I'd never come back, which of course, never say never. Um, I was an exchange student in 20, or, or sorry, in 1985. I lived with a countess. I got to have some really amazing experiences in the summer of 1985. That's its own book. Um, there, there's just a lot to write about. And um, I look forward. A lot of 
to doing it. And a lot of you have asked me to do it. And so I would love you to come in as patrons of the work so that um, we can get these created, professionally edited, uh, get proper cover art on them and get them to you and to other readers who want some juicy tales. These these are feminist stories because I'm a feminist. Um, I know a lot of people don't like that term. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. We're going to talk about that in the community. My definition of what it is is, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's terribly audacious to want to be seen as an equal. Um, and I don't think we, we are. And I certainly don't think we are in this country. Um, a lot of people poke fingers at the Middle East, but it's the only place I ever got paid parody. And it's the only place... Um, you know, where it was just, if you were capable, you were capable. And that was my experience in Bahrain. I know there's other countries that don't have that happen there, but where I was at, that's what happened. And uh, coming back to the States, having my identity as a mother be in question all the time and being told I was wasting my education and and just kind of how we view motherhood um, in general, that it's something demeaning. Um, as a feminist, I take umbrage at that because it, it, when you're a mother, you're raising society, you know? And so I think we can have some really interesting discussions too. And, um, I'm going to love you and leave you, but I also want to invite you to follow me on Twitter at a thousand one LA nights. I'm Lori a rivers and you will find out what the A stands for when you join me as a patron on patreon.com.